Well, good morning. Good morning, sons and daughters of the Most High God. I hope you feel that way this morning. Do you? Oh, boy, the excitement is just overwhelming this morning. <laughs> you need some of that energy. They just left the building, right? They went to the other side over there. <clears throat> Fifteen children, full of energy, ready to go back to school. Every one of them is begging to go back to school, right? <laughs> right. Well, let's segue from that into Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verse 1. We're, we're looking at this thing called fortitude, spelled F-O-U-R, fortitude, four things, love God, love people, love yourself, and love God's creation. And we're seeing how the early church uh, loved God and loved others. Uh, the book of Acts was originally called the Acts of the Apostles. Still is today, probably it's written in your Bible. I think it's more uh, apt to say it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit working through disciples. And so every day, you and I wake up uh, ready for God to use us, and we could write our own books about how God has used us, our own book of Acts, if you will. But the story continues from chapter 3 to chapter 4. You know, the guy was 40 years old. He was, he'd been sitting at the gate of the temple for 30 years, perhaps, uh, begging for alms. Uh, people to come by and seen him all this time. And then Peter and John walk up and say, we don't have anything to give you, but what we do have, we don't have any coins to give you, but what we do have is Jesus. Rise up and walk. And a man gets up and walks. Well, that just created a stir, right, in the town. Now, it's, it's interesting to me why it created a stir, because Jesus had been healing people all the time, right? Hundreds, perhaps thousands of people. We don't really know. We've, we've got a few things recorded that he did, but he did so much more than that. He had made the lame to walk. He had made the blind to see. He had made the deaf to hear. Those words had gotten out everywhere. And here we, here we are just a few weeks after the resurrection. And this man gets healed. And all of a sudden, the Pharisees and the scribes and the, all these people want to know what this, why this guy get healed. What are you guys doing? In whose name did you do it? And so we get to chapter 4, and the whole town's upset. The Pharisees are upset. The religious people are upset. Because this man was healed, and they didn't have anything to do with, it, uh, do with it. They thought they had killed Jesus, who had been doing all these miracles. And now these miracles continued, and they were curious. So the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. Now, the Sadducees did not believe in the bodily res resurrection of Christ. That's why they were sad, you see. That's all I got. It's the best I got this morning. Sadducees. And they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So the Sadducees are all upset. You can't talk about people being raised from the dead. And you can't, you just can't talk about it. They seized Peter and John. And because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. So what was the number on the day of Pentecost? Ch chapter 2, thank 3,000. And so we went from 3,000 to 5,000 followers of Christ in just a matter of a few short weeks. Why? Because Christians were telling about Christ. The apostles were, the disciples were, the, the people who had just come into Christ. Everybody was talking about Jesus. And so the crowd grew to about 5,000 men. We don't know how many women and children. 
The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. And Annas, the high priest, was there. And so were Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them, began to question them, by what power or what name do you do this? Now, back in that day, just like today, there were people who would cast spells on other people. Uh, we might would call it today a voodoo spell. That might be a word we might use. We might call it white magic or black magic. Wiccan magic, there's all kind of names today that we could use. But back in the day, they thought the same things. And so they were trying to find out by whose name was this man healed? What, what's the deal here? What name are you using to restore him? Because people believed back in that day that there was power in someone's name. Now, do we believe that today, that there's power in someone's name? Well, I do because we got them all on the wall, right? We've got 100 names of God listed on our building here. I believe in the, the name of Jesus, right? I hope you believe in the name of Jesus and that the name of Jesus has power attached to it. Amen? Yeah. So they were questioning in whose name. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, know this. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. For he is the stone you builders rejected, which has now become the capstone or the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, that is the meeting room, and they conferred together, that is the captain of the temple guard, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and there were about 10 positions in the Sanhedrin, right? There were about 10, 10 roles in the Sanhedrin. You had, you had some elders, like seven of those guys. You had a ruler of the, of the temple court. And you had a couple of the guys. And so there were about 10 people that were in charge, plus others who were a part of the Sanhedrin. It could be as many as 70 people, perhaps. We don't know how many it was, but they sent them out and they said, we're going to talk about this. So they sent them out and talked about it. And they said, what are we going to do with these men? Now, think about this for a minute. These guys had just healed a cripple who had been crippled for 40 years. And they're trying to decide what to do with him. I mean, think about that. How silly is that? Why didn't they say, hey, that's great. My mother-in-law's crippled. Could you come help her? Right? My, my cousin's got a problem. Can you come help them? No, they were trying to find a reason to condemn these guys for healing a crippled man. They were, they were looking for something wrong with them. What are we going to do with them? What are we going to do with them? Everybody living in Jerusalem knows what they've, they've done this outstanding miracle. And we cannot deny it because the man's standing right here. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them, these men to speak no longer to anyone in the name of Jesus. We can't have healings. I'm sorry. We can't have healings in the house. We just got to tell them to stop. Then they called them in again. They commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, 
Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And after further threats, like we're going to take your Camelac away or, you know, your Camelac. <laughs> Thank you, Millie. Appreciate it. Okay, I'll stop with that. I'll stop with that. Maybe, maybe I will. Maybe I won't. After further threats, they let him go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. When I was uh, 15, 16 years old, the church that I attended had a large youth group. And every Saturday, our pastor would take us out going door to door witnessing. And so we'd knock on the door. Someone would open the door and we'd say, uh, we're here talking. We're from Pine Forest Baptist Church uh, in Macon, Georgia. And we're here telling people about Jesus. And, and we'd see if somebody would engage with us. And that was back in the day when you could go door to door and not be scared for your life, right? You know? And so every Saturday, we'd get on a bus and go door to door witnessing. And on this particular day, we were uh, on the street near the church. And we walked up and I saw in the mailbox that the, the mailbox, the name of the guy who lived there was the same name as my pastor. Well, I thought that was kind of funny. It's an unusual name. It's like, that's unusual for him to have the same name as my pastor. And so I walked up to the door thinking, well, this will be a fun conversation. And so the gentleman opens the door, and I said, we're from the church down the street, and we're just out telling people about Jesus. Now, I'm 15 or 16 years old, and, and this guy's, I don't know, maybe he's 30, maybe he's 40. I don't know how old he is. He's a lot older than me. We're here telling people about Jesus. And the uh, first thing out of his mouth was, well, if you're deacons, he owned, a liquor, he owned a liquor store in town, right? He said, if your deacons would quit buying liquor from me, it'd put me out of business. Well, I'm 15 or 16. I knew who the deacons were in the church. I didn't know nothing about people drinking, right? Whether it was right or wrong, I had to have a clue. And so I was kind of stunned. And I think he, he thought he had me. And I'm like, you know what? I don't know anything about that. And I told him, I said, I don't know anything about that. Here's what I do know, though. People that die without Jesus go to hell. He looked at me and said, well, I'll be there with all of my friends. I said, they won't be your friends then. They'll be mad at you that you didn't tell them about Jesus. He slammed the door. <laughs> Ended the conversation, right? You know, there are times when we share Jesus that there's going to be persecution. There are times when we do things in the name of Jesus that there's going to be persecution. But we still must do things in the name of Jesus. Right? Every day, we must do things in the name of Jesus. Uh, some things jump off the page at me. I've, I've got like eight things, and I can get it done in 14 minutes, I think. A couple of things. Verse 2, it says, they were proclaiming that Jesus rose from the dead. When you start telling people that Jesus rose from the dead, it's going to create persecution. Why? Because you're telling the truth to people who believe the lie all their lives. They're out there drinking sand because religion has told them sand is better than water. And they're drinking sand by the gallons. They're consuming sand. It's not going to satisfy them. It's only going to hurt them. Right? That's what the world paints. That's what religion paints. That's what the scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees had painted these people. If you'll just drink the sand that we're giving you, you'll be great. And when you start offering somebody water, 
who all they've known is sand all their life, there's going to be some grumbling and complaining. Think about the children who were led out of Egypt, right? Moses said, hey, I'm going to lead you out of Egypt. It's really bad. You know, you're getting whipped all the time, beaten all the time. Your kin folks are getting killed because they're not making the rocks right. We're going to lead you out. Yay, lead us out. They led them out, got in the desert, and they started griping and complaining because they didn't have the onions they used to eat and the leeks they used to eat and all the stuff they used to eat back in Egypt. We'll be better off. We just go back to Egypt, right? They've been drinking sand so long they didn't know what water tasted like. And when you offer water to somebody in this world, there's going to be persecution. Do you know that approximately, according to what I read, approximately 40% of the people that live in the Nashville area, 1.6 million people, about 40% of them believe in Jesus, the other 60% don't? Do you realize what a mission field we are on that we're in right now? That's, that's just in our neighborhood, right? And so... Sharing water is going to bring persecution, but you share it anyway. You give a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus anyway. Second thing I noticed when, when these guys spoke, when Peter and John spoke, it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verses 19 through 20, he said, take no thought of what you will say when it's time to say something because the Holy Spirit will come give you the words that you need to say. And here we find Jesus' prophecy in Matthew chapter 10 being fulfilled in Acts chapter 4. Where Peter and John weren't really sure what to say, but when they opened their mouth, filled with the Holy Spirit, the words came out. The right words came out. And the right words will come out of your mouth if you just trust the Holy Spirit. You're going to go talk to somebody about Jesus. You're going to go pray for them. You're going to go help them. You're in the checkout line and you want to pray for the person, the cashier behind the register there. Holy Spirit, what can I possibly say to this person today that will help them have a better day? Just ask. Ask the Holy Spirit. The Bible says he'll put it in your mouth. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says that we're not given the spirit of fear, right? But we're given the spirit of, of power and love and a sound mind. The Holy Spirit wants to give you power, love, and a sound mind as you speak the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. The third thing I noticed they were saying is that salvation is only in Jesus Christ. Verse 12. Matter of fact, that's a great verse to memorize if you're looking for a verse to memorize. Chapter 4, verse 12. There is no other name given unto heaven whereby we must be saved than the name of Jesus Christ. And the simple cry for Jesus is a simple prayer that Jesus answers. No long, elaborate prayer. You don't have to pray for 15 minutes to be saved. Just say, Jesus, 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 I need you, Jesus. And he's like, here I am. That's all I need to know. Do you want me? Do you need me? Can I come into your life? Can we have a relationship? Let's take communion together. Let's have a meal together. I'm here for you, Jesus. There's no other name. Give it unto heaven. There's a big movement today of trying to pull all religions together and say that, well, we're all worshiping the same God. No, we're not. That's not true. We're all worshiping the same God. That's not true. I don't worship the God that the Muslims worship because their God says, kill anybody that disagrees with you. I don't worship that God. Right? I don't worship the God of Buddha. I, I, I don't worship Jesus Christ. There's only one way, only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. So when somebody comes and says, oh, we all worship the same God, said, oh, well, you tell me about your God. What is he like? Let them tell you about their God and what he's like and, and look at their sacred scriptures about what their God is like. Before you even say, yeah, we do all worship the same God, don't we? Check it out. 
Don't fall for that lie. Next thing I notice, it says, they said they noticed that these men had been with Jesus. They noticed that these men had been with Jesus. Now, in a few weeks, counting it down, I'm going to the beach for vacation, right? And when I get to the beach for vacation, when I come back, I'm going to have a tan. Right? And you're going to notice that I've been with the, at the beach because I'm going to have a tan. Right? Right? That's what you do when you go to the beach, right? You put 4,000 pounds of sunscreen on and you go out and get a tan. Right? <laughs> Sit under the umbrella the whole time. If I go swimming and you see me coming out of the swimming pool, you'll know that I've been in the swimming pool because I'm going to be wet, right? If I go to a children's party where they're doing that silly string stuff, you know, and they squirt it all over me, you will know that I've been to a children's party, right? Right? The big thing is the slime right now. You ever been slimed before? Anybody ever been slimed? Trust me, don't do that, okay? <laughs> there are churches that take children when they come to church and put them in the middle of a little swimming pool, empty swimming pool, and just slime them all over. They just love it. Love it. You get slimed, somebody's going to know you've been slimed. Here's the thing. Does anybody know that you've been with Jesus this week? When you walk through the checkout line, is anybody going to look at you and say, are you a Christian? Have you been with Jesus? I can see you've been with Jesus this week. I can see a little Jesus on you. When you go to school, Dwayne, are they going to know you've been with Jesus this week? Are they going to look at you and say, man, there's something different about you. Can you tell me what you got that I don't got? And you see him say, man, it's Jesus. Will you, will you trust in Jesus? Yeah. That's, that's how it works. Are they going to know? Are they going to know you've been with Jesus? They knew these men had been with Jesus. They knew they hadn't been to seminary. Did you see that? They're uneducated, which meant they hadn't been to seminary. That's our word. Been different back in the day, but that's what they're saying. You haven't been to Bible school. You don't have a degree or a diploma, but you've been with Jesus. It's a whole lot more important to be with Jesus than it is to go to seminary or Bible school. They've been with Jesus. Next thing I notice is they were compelled to talk about Jesus. He says, says on verse 20, man, you can tell me what you want to. You can tell me to stop talking, but I'm compelled to talk about Jesus. I don't care what you're going to say. I'm going to talk about Jesus until I can't talk anymore. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, it's Christ's love that compels us. Yes, it's Christ's love that compels us to talk about Jesus. Let's finish with this story. Verse 23. And on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and elders and said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And here's a prayer they're praying. Sovereign Lord, if you want to know how to pray, this is a good prayer. Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In other words, they honored the Lord with their prayer. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. From Psalm 2, why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. 
And they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants, that is them, to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Do you see that prayer? They prayed to speak the word of God boldly. And they prayed for signs, wonders, and miracles. And what happened? Right in the middle of their prayer meeting, they had a sign. The earthquake. The place where they were meeting was shaken. There was an earthquake. Immediate answer to prayer. They prayed to speak with boldness. We need to pray to speak with boldness. Every day, wake up and say, God, I want to speak with boldness. I want to speak with boldness. Which means to be outspoken, plain in your speech, and fearless. Be fearless. And they prayed for God to give signs, wonders, and miracles in the name of Jesus. Now, here's a great prayer this week. Father, I want you to perform a sign, a wonder, or a miracle through me this week as I go back to school or as I go about my day, or as I go on this trip, wherever you're going. Ask God to perform a sign, a miracle, a wonder in your presence while you're telling somebody about Jesus to convince them that Jesus is real. That's a good prayer to pray. It's in the Bible. It's okay to pray it, right? It's right here. Pray it. Earthquakes, signs, wonders, and miracles. It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So we think about living a life of fortitude, F-O-U-R, fortitude. Love God, love yourself, love others, love creation. It's going to take some boldness in the world in which we live. Because here's the reality. The world and its system is against Jesus and his kingdom. Now, there's not two kings and there's not two kingdoms, right? It's just a rebellion against the kingdom. We've been told a lie that God and Satan are equal and there's two kings fighting and two kingdoms fighting. That's a lie. God's up here. Everything else is down here. He has no equal. It's all down here. The battle is all down here, right? Middle earth, whatever you want to call it. This is where the battle is. And so it's a king who has a rebellion taking place against his servants, you and I. And that's where the battle is. And so Jesus says, hey, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Get over it. Just do something about it. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Speak the word of God boldly. So I challenge all of us this morning, this week, to find somebody to speak the word of God boldly to. Ask to be filled with the Spirit first. Ask for a sign, a miracle, a wonder to accompany your talk. And trust the Holy Spirit to take care of the rest of it. Amen? Can we do that? Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would give every one of us, every one of us, every student, every adult, that you would give every one of us somebody to speak the word of God boldly to this week. And I pray that signs and wonders and miracles would accompany the presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, come do things that we can't even think, dream, or imagine with our words as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, let the place where we share it be shaken. Let it be shaken so the person we're sharing with knows that this is from God and not from man. Father, help us to put on our armor. We are in a battle. Help us to put on the armor that you provided us. 
that we can go boldly. Go boldly. Without hesitation, without fear. And share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to tell the truth to those we run into. That, that you, have ra- you are raised from the dead. And that you will live in our lives if we just simply ask. So thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for making a way for us. Come, Holy Spirit, now and convict us of our lack of boldness. Strengthen us where we are weak and afraid. Encourage us when we are timid and shy. Reveal to us, Holy Spirit, the spirit that you've given us, the spirit of power and love and of a sound mind, not a spirit of fear. Reveal that to us, Holy Spirit. Reveal it to us. All week long, reveal it to us. Jesus, let your love compel us to share the love of Christ with others in any way we can this week. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.